Nikola Jokic faces off against Joel Embiid, and we discuss the one reason why Luka Doncic is so much better this season on today's Locked On NBA. You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome. You are Locked On to the NBA. My name is Nick Engstead, host of the Locked On Mavericks podcast, and joining me, as always, my co-host, contributor at Mavs.com. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? Nick, the Miami Heat. Eric Spolstra, I I stand on this. I think he's still one of the most underrated coaches in the league. Despite winning a title and stuff, He, we get that. But right now, he still doesn't get the credit that he deserves. He doesn't. He, he doesn't get the credit. I think a lot of people, though, when you do the top five coach thing, like, oh, who's the top five coach? And to be honest, like I'm... Most of us don't know. Most of us don't know what the difference between coaches are. Uh, some reporters, they'll hear from front office executives and say, oh, this guy's a better coach than this guy. But how do we know what exactly a coach? We can see if we follow a team you know, very closely. Like We host the Lockdown Mavericks podcast, and we see Rick Carlisle every day. So we can tell you the good and the bad of Rick Carlisle. But I feel like you have to watch a team every single day to know if a coach is good or bad or not. And so to assess all the coaches, I just feel like is for me personally, I guess it's just so hard, but yeah, people always say, put him in the top five, but they don't really give him credit because man, this Miami team is so interesting. Um, we'll get to the Miami. We'll get to a whole bunch of other things on the show today. Your normal hosts are not here. We're filling in. We are again from the lockdown Mavericks podcast. Go subscribe to that show. It's always good. Isaac, isn't it always good every day? Hey, we have Luka Doncic, so, I mean, what are you, why are you not subscribed at this point? I was talking to a national reporter today who uh, is struggling with the team that he covers, and I literally said, I said, hey, there's plenty of room uh, covering the Mavericks right now because Luka is really fun to cover every day, and uh, so yeah, it's a blessing for us to cover him every day. Come join the bandwagon over at Locked On Mavs. Subscribe to us, Spotify, Stitcher, you know the drill. Go subscribe to us there. We do every post game. We do daily as well during the week, just like Locked on NBA does, but we appreciate you guys sticking with us today as the other guys are out. We're going to do, we're going to talk about the games of the night, Washington versus Charlotte, Atlanta versus Miami, New York versus Portland is still going on right now, but we can, we can kind of guess how that one's going to go. And then Denver, we can leave that one. Denver, Philadelphia. We'll talk about that one as well. And we'll get into Jokic and bead. We'll get into some Ben Simmons stuff. There's a lot of interesting angles from the Philadelphia Denver game and then of course we got to get to our own Dallas Mavericks talk about Luka Doncic one of the most fun players in the NBA right now so we'll talk some Luka Doncic in the final segment so let's start too long didn't watch let's recap some of the games of the night the Charlotte Hornets beat the Washington Wizards 114 to 107 in a fun game it was a back and forth game kind of came down to the wire there Um, Charlotte kept building up leads and then Washington would come back and holy crap, Davis Bertans. <laughs> Davis Bertans, 32 points. My guy hit eight of his 12 threes. I mean, just he was firing on all cylinders. Everything that was coming off his hands felt like it was going to go in. Off the bench for the Wizards, uh, that team can just score with anybody. But they only scored 107 in this game, which is which could be their season low. I haven't looked it up. <laughs> Seems like every Wizards game is 120, 150. Um, so, but the, the Hornets moved to... 10 and 16 on the season, which is a huge surprise to a lot of people. Devontae Graham had 29 points, six assists in this game. He was six of 11 from three. Terry Rogier had 17 points, eight boards, and seven assists. And Miles Bridges hit a clutch three to ice the game at the very end. It was a real fun back and forth game. Isaac, these Charlotte Hornets are way better than we expected. 
Yeah, I mean, honestly, both teams. If you had asked me before the season who's the worst team in the league this year, I think these two would have been, well, at least in the bottom three or four teams that you would have thrown out there, and especially the Wizards. And even the Wizards have been kind of fun. But, yeah, this Charlotte team, Devontae Graham has been you know, the guy for them. I think they signed Terry Rozier thinking that he would probably do what Devontae Graham is doing this year. But uh, Graham is, is doing that. It, it's a fun team. They have some young pieces. I think this team is a prime team to watch trade deadline time. Uh, they have some contracts in Cody Zeller. They have some young guys like Malik Monk that they don't know. You still don't know what they are in the league right now. So they're kind of overperforming a little bit, but in the snap of the fingers, they could drop to the bottom of the East. I think the Wizards and the Davis Bertans thing, he is, if we're continuing the trade deadline thing, he's a name that I, I am watching really closely, especially for Dallas that we talk about. We always want shooters around Luka. But all across the league, everyone wants a shooter. Bertans is on an expiring deal, $7 million right now. He's shooting 46% from three. He just hit 10 threes tonight. Every team across the league, contender or not, can always use more shooting. And with a Wizards team that's not going to make the playoffs, Bertans, I think he's going to be a hot name come the deadline time. You know who he would be really good for right now? Ooh, who? The Spurs. <laughs> so, Mark, Marcus Morris. Um. <laughs> How's that working out for you guys? <laughs> oh, man. That, man. that is one of the weirder San Antonio moves because basically – they did that to get Marcus Morris, and then they had after the Marcus Morris debacle, he decided to go to the Knicks. They got Damari Carroll, so they kind of switched out Davis Bertans for Damari Carroll, which I don't know if you would do that every single day, but I probably the, would not. Yeah, that's what they decided to do. So there you go. Charlotte moves ten and sixteen on the season. Wild, another wild game on the docket. Atlanta versus Miami. Um, Atlanta was up one hundred and seventeen to one hundred and eleven with one minute left in the game. Isaac. And Lloyd Pierce, the Hawks coach, decided to sub out a lot of his starters, took Trey Young out of the game, and then all of a sudden, Miami hit two threes, which is basically what a six-point lead comes down to. You can just hit two threes. It's a two-possession game. There's a minute left. No clue why he subbed out all these guys. But Miami came back, forced overtime, and then Miami went on an 18-0 run on top of that 6-0 run to end the game, an 18-0 run in overtime, and they just ran over the top of them. Uh, for Atlanta, DeAndre Hunter had a great game with 28 points. Uh, Trey Young, 21 points, four boards, nine assists, which is like a mediocre game for him. It's like not really a good game for him. Uh, but the Miami Heat, I mean, Jimmy Butler had 20, 18 boards, and 10 assists. Uh, Bam Adebayo had 30 points, 11 boards, and 11 assists. So two triple doubles in there, a 30-point triple double, and then a 20-point triple. Jimmy Butler almost had a 20-20 game. And then... The young guys, Duncan Robinson and Kendrick Nunn, late signees at the end of the season last year. 34 for Duncan Robinson. He hit 10 threes. And Kendrick Nunn, 36 points for him. I mean, the Heat just keep coming up with these guys out of nowhere. Like, just finding these guys and, and basically the, the phrase, you know, you polish the turd, right? Like, they just found these guys. And maybe they weren't turds to begin with. But they polished them and boom, they're scoring 30. I mean, the other night, Tyler Hero had 30. And this in this game, he had zero. I mean, these guys can show up at any single game. They just find them from anywhere. This Heat team, I have a lot of fun watching this team. And it reminds me of a lot, for, for myself, it reminds me a lot of the Clippers team from last year. 
really well coached, have a, just a, a cast of characters that you have some veterans, you have some young guys, but they have fun playing together. They're passionate and it works. And it, it, I get the same vibes from this. I, I know that last year's Clippers team, they had Lou Williams, Montrezl Harrell and stuff. They didn't have like a really Jimmy Butler type. But you, this, you, if you squint really hard, you can like combine Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero into Lou Williams, right? Like if they, <laughs> if you just get the same kind of output from both of them, <laughs> bam, I guess can be your Montrezl Harrell. You can put Jimmy Butler as Tobias Harris, I guess, if you squint hard enough. Man, bam out of bio. I, I know when. Me and you both on Lockdown Mavericks, we made our picks for the awards going into the season. And I think you threw out there the name of Bam Adebayo for most improved player. Yeah. And we both love love him. Thought he would take a huge step. But, man, Tim McMahon from ESPN, he even tweeted out saying he's like shades of Draymond Green with how he can handle the ball, how they run offense through him sometimes, how they empower him to make decisions there in the paint sometimes that Draymond used to do with Golden State, or still does to an extent. But... I, I love watching this Miami team. It, it feels like they had to get a Jimmy Butler type, but and I know other people throw this out there a lot, saying they're a trade away. They need to make a trade at some point, but they have so many different pieces. Goran Dragic, he didn't even play tonight. I don't think. No, he didn't even play tonight. Yeah, so, out. so it, it's they have so many dudes that they can they can piece together to go out and get somebody bigger if they want to or they can keep their books clean and make a run at somebody in that 2021 free agent class but either way they're super fun they're third in in the eastern conference right now and man they're really well coached it's just a fun team to watch and the thing about this team is they have these young guys Nunn, robinson hero you know, they have these smaller contracts that you can attach to some of these bigger contracts if you want to try and send them out. Uh, if you want to try to do like a Kelly Olenek, Derek Jones Jr., Derek Jones Jr., you can attach, you know, one of these guys on it to maybe get a bigger name uh, if you decide to go out and, and do something like that. So they're, they're, don't, call, don't call Dallas about that. They might be. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> They'll think that they're getting Goran Dragic or the other way around, or who knows exactly how that turned out. But I think the Mavericks are happy with, <laughs> with how it turned out. So, yeah. All right. And then. The New York Knicks at Portland Trailblazers game is going on right now as we record this. Um, we're not really going to get into that, but I'm going to assume that Melo drops you know, 40 on his old team that the Blazers ended up winning this game. Are you coaching the Knicks right now? Is David Locke coaching the Knicks? Mike Miller coaching is coaching the Knicks? the Knicks right now, but not the Mike Miller you're thinking of. Not that Mike Miller. <laughs> not that Mike Miller. <laughs> Ex-G League Coach of the Year Mike Miller. Now, yeah, this Knicks situation, oof, but... Yeah, we're assuming that Damian Lillard, McCollum, they're just going to put the Knicks away tonight. Yeah, that's what we're assuming. So, all right, coming up, let's get into Denver versus Philadelphia. That was kind of the big game on the docket last night. Philadelphia ends up with the win. So, let's break down that game. Joel Embiid, Jokic, Shaq went in on Jokic at halftime. And so, let's get into all that coming up after this. But before we do, if you are a Spotify listener, which I know a lot of you are, I think it's the second most used platform across uh, all locked on pods. I think Apple is definitely first and then Spotify second. And if you've seen, if you go into your Spotify app, there's the rap thing and it'll show you, I'm sure you've seen so many people tweet this out and post it everywhere. The rap thing that shows you what you listen to. If one of your top podcasts is a locked on podcast, take a screenshot and tag at locked on live, or you can tag at locked on Mavs. A lot of you have done that for us. Locked on NBA net. You can tag that and we'll share it, retweet it. We'll send it. We appreciate you guys listening to us throughout the year, and uh, it's a gift, Isaac. It's a gift to us at Lockdown that you guys have listened to us so much. Some people were sending us us at Lockdown Mavs. They listened to us for 10,000 minutes last year. 
That was just wild. So send it at Locked On Live at Locked On NBA Net. All right, Isaac. Let's get into the Denver versus Philadelphia game. Philadelphia ends up winning this one, ninety-seven and ninety-two. Um, man, this was this was kind of an interesting game. Uh, Jokic fifteen points, seven boards, eleven assists. Jamal Murray only played five minutes. He exited in the first you know couple minutes of the game. Ben Simmons kind of hip checked him, sort of a sort of a pick, but sort of just kind of a cheap shot with his hip. And then Jamal Murray didn't return because of a trunk contusion, which. Okay, when I think of trunk, I think of, like, your butt, right? Like, that's the first thing I think of, like, put it in the trunk. And then I also thought of trunk as, like, a tree trunk. So, like, maybe it's, they're talking about, I don't know. Like, what is trunk contusion? I don't know. I need, I need my guy, Brian, the doctor, to uh, to break down some of this for me. But that was wild. Will Barton at 26 points, 7 boards, 7 assists in the game. But the Sixers end up with the win. Tobias Harris, 20 points. Joel Embiid, 22 points, 10 boards, 6 assists. And they got 13 points off the bench from Matisse Tybel, including a monster dunk where he just pretty much changed directions in midair. That was wild. Um, this was a fascinating game. Michael Malone had a, the, it looked like the Sixers were going to run away with this game. They had a huge lead in the second quarter, huge for this game because it wasn't really high scoring. And then Michael Malone runs out on the court after Jokic doesn't get called for a foul, and he's yelling at the ref during while play was going on. He's on the court yelling at the refs. And an assistant comes over and tries to stop him. Michael Malone swings his arms wildly and whacks all of the papers out of his assistant coach's hand. And they fly around all over the place. It's just like like one of the most dramatic things that had ever happened. And then after that, the Nuggets went on a 35-17 run. Jokic had zero points before that technical foul. And then he ended up with 15 in the game. And that was late in the second quarter. So he kind of woke up after that. This Nuggets kind of woke up after that. It kind of feels like this Nuggets team just needs to wake up, right? Even it seems like they're really coasting this season. Right now, what are they? They're they're 14 and 8. They don't even have a terrible record, but it just feels like this team needs a boost, a jolt. They just need to wake up. And I think Michael Malone sort of embodied that in this game. Yeah, I think Charles Barkley at halftime, uh, he kind of said it perfect. He said they just don't they don't they look like terrible. they're having f- <laughs> well, they don't look like they're having fun. They don't it, it's a different vibe around this Denver team uh, from last year and it starts with Nikola Jokic and their best player. He, he doesn't seem as engaged as what Shaq and Barkley and them. They're kind of just it was kind of probably too much of harping on on Jokic. They harped on MB too. It was kind of funny cuz they were talking about how how they weren't playing very well, but all the highlights was the shots that were going in. So it was funny to check like, yeah, that's not a good move. And it was going in, but, but still, no, there is something about this Nuggets team. They were my pick for the best regular season record in the Western Conference. They have a good record right now, but when you watch them, there is something that they're lacking. And you like their depth. A lot of their, their role pieces, you like these pieces. Will Barton started the game. 11, the first 11 points of the game, Nick and I were texting. I said, Will, Will Barton, his own segment for <laughs> Locked on NBA tonight? Can we MVP do MVP, conversation. MVP odds for Will Barton? But no, I mean, Gary Harris isn't having, I think he's been playing well of late, but Monte Morris, Mike, Michael Porter Jr. played tonight, played 13, 13 minutes. The Jeremy Grant edition, like this team is super deep. They're just missing something, and I think this is why you're you're seeing Denver already being thrown out there in these trade rumor stuff of being interested in some of these bigger names, or could they really swap something up? They have a, an expiring contract in Paul Millsap at $30 million, so that pretty much puts them in the conversation for any name out there. If they want to go after Kevin Love, if they want to go after a Chris Paul or something like that... It, 
that they can. They have the pieces for it. It's just kind of weird because they're a good team, but are they a great team? I don't know. And all of it centers around where is Nikola Jokic right now? Like, where is his head at right now? You know how there are always players out there that all of a sudden they get paid and just they just kind of slink into the night, right? Like they, they get their big payday. They are they're in a contract year and they have a I mean Hassan Whiteside was kind of this guy that he goes out there, he puts up, you know, 30 and 10 games and has like 10 blocks in a game and is killing it. And then all of a sudden he gets the huge 100 million dollar contract and then just all of a sudden we're like wasn't Hassan Whiteside supposed to be like the next big thing? Where is Hassan Whiteside? Wasn't he a 20 and 10 guy? He's not even getting double doubles. Jokic and Jamal Murray have now both been paid. They've both been given their huge deals, and it almost feels like the apathy after that. Uh, and you know, we don't watch the Nuggets every single game, so we're not going to say we know, you know, their you know motivations or anything like that. We don't. We, but it, that's what it feels like with this team. It just feels like they don't have that extra want. They don't have that extra, you know, craving of, of wanting to get in the game. Now, Jamal Murray didn't really play in this game, so he can't really hold it against him. But he hasn't been really that great this year. If you look at his numbers and if you've seen him in some games, Jokic, people people only ever talk about Jokic's weight, <laughs> right? Like that's yeah. the only thing that people really talk about. But coming in and now he has you know this big deal that he's now getting, and uh, I think that that's I think that's big for this team. I think that they need somebody else with with some hunger to try and kind of wake up this team. And the Jokic weight stuff, it kind of gets to me a little bit because he doesn't look I that like different. He doesn't, I, he look, doesn't that look that that different. It's just because they're playing different, and he's not playing at the MVP type of level that he was playing at last year. That now people are saying, "Oh, it's the weight." I'm like, eh. it's the Ben Simmons shot equivalent, right? As soon as the Sixers don't play well, it's the it's Ben Simmons needs to get a jumper. Like, oh, if only Ben Simmons had a jumper, the Sixers would play better. And now it's Jokic's weight. It's on. You know, it's like the low hanging fruit that we can just you know pull off. And it's good that it's low hanging because Jokic wouldn't be able to get it if it was too high up. Can't <laughs> Big jump, honey. He can't. He can't jump high. <laughs> but but I think if you're Denver and you walk out of this game and say, hey, if Philadelphia is one of the best defensive teams in a league, if you want to say they're one of the best teams in a league, or at least one of the best teams in Eastern Conference, and you you only lost this game by five points, and you basically didn't have Jamal Murray the whole game. I mean, the only shot that Ben Simmons landed was on Jamal Murray. So, I mean, that's for Denver to walk out of this and you didn't have your second best player. That that's huge for them. That's that would be something I'll at least be hanging my head on for that. But this Philly team, I can't figure this Philly team out. I don't know. It, defensively, they're right up there with with the Clippers as far as who could put out there the best defensive yeah. lineup. They're right there with the Clippers, except the Clippers have a whole different level offensively that the that the Philly just can't get to. And it, it all boils down to the same conversation you've had for the past couple of years. Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid. And I still have the same question marks when I watch this Philly team of what type of system, what type of team offensively are you going to be? Because you see Ben Simmons in transition, and when they play fast pace, you're like, all right, this is fun. This is fun. This is what maximizes Ben Simmons' potential. But that doesn't maximize Joel Embiid's potential. So when then when they get Joel Embiid the ball in the post, then you're trying to figure out what to do with Ben Simmons. It still feels like they're on two different pages on offense for me. Yeah, they've been, they've been so many different teams over the past you know year and a half really. They've had so many iterations. They had Jimmy Butler, they had Tobias Harris, they had you know a team without those two guys before all this, and now they have the Al Horford you know Josh Richardson team. 
And when I was watching this game, they really need Al Horford to be a guard, which is weird. They need Al Horford's guard skills really bad. And for a lot of teams, like if you think back to the, the best team Al Horford was on, probably that 60-win Hawks team, or maybe you could say that that Celtics team that went to the Eastern Conference Finals too. But for those teams, Al Horford's guard skills, his, his ability to dribble the ball, he hit like a step-back jumper in the, in the paint today. Uh, those kind of skills, his passing, were like an extra for that team. But this Sixers team, they need him to be able to do that. They need those extra plays. They need him to be able to create in space, which is kind of a, a weird thing for him to be asked to do because Ben Simmons is going back to being in the dunker spot when he doesn't have the ball on in the half court. They get stuck in the half court. The you know the court kind of shrinks for him. Josh Richardson, three points in this game. I mean, he only took what eight, he took eight shots and missed a bunch of them. If he's not hitting shots for them, then all of a sudden Al Horford becomes you know a need instead of just you know something that should be added on to this team. And they won this game. I mean, that's the thing that we don't understand sometimes is that they, we can see all these glaring flaws and yet they have so much talent they can win games like this. And they look like they hit a home run with the thigh bowl pick. Huge. And oh my gosh. A, a team that's already super strong defensively. You, you know, you already had Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, and you tr- you made the move for Tobias Harris last year. But then you bring in Al Horford and Josh Richardson. You're like, man, okay, this is a good solid starting five. And then you hit the home run with thigh bowls, the way it's looking so far. And I mean, not only is he an elite wing defender already, but he went three for four from three tonight. And if he's been he hitting can, them. Yeah, if he can do that and continue that, I mean, that's just massive for a team that lacks the depth after that starting five because you're looking at Thibault, you're looking at James Ennis, Mike Scott, uh, Korkmaz. You know, the, that, this is their bench. They're going to be a prime buyout team when, when that time comes after the trade deadline. But Thibault looks like a home run for them, and he could log huge minutes for them in a playoff series. They need a guard so bad. They need one yeah. guard, some kind of backup guard that could even play with Ben Simmons, just some guy that that can handle the ball like uh like if no this is a guy that's not in the league anymore but if like Jameer Nelson remember when Jameer Nelson used to be available like just get Jameer Nelson or DJ Augustine for the the you know the magic like what he was to the magic and what he is to the magic now they need a guy like that because Raul Raul Neto however you pronounce that that first name they were pronouncing it kind of weird on the broadcast today but him and Trey Burke I don't think and Shake Milton I don't think are going to cut it it. they're not going to shake it someone that we're really familiar with, they need a J.J. Barea. And they, they cannot have some- our J.J. Barea. Oh, no, they can't have J.J. <laughs> Barea. He is a Dallas Maverick, but they need someone like him. Yeah. And uh, I think that there are a ton of people that play the point guard position across the league. You're going to see one or two bought out. You're going to see plenty hit the you know trade market. So that could be somebody, a type of player they target come February. Is Jamal Crawford wild for this team? Um... Uh- I would I would at least entertain it if I was them as as far as some you know just benchmates would you have rather have Neto or Jamal Crawford I think I'd take Jamal Crawford yeah it depends on what I needed at the moment but yeah I'd rather have him than Trey Burke for sure yeah they just they have to figure out their depth stuff but it looks like they hit a home run with, with Tybal absolutely all right so we don't want to crap on the Sixers too much they did end up winning this game the Sixers are now uh, they're. Fourth in the Eastern Conference, 18 and 7. Miami is 18 and 6 right now, so they're neck and neck right there um, as the best teams in the Eastern Conference after Milwaukee and Boston. Coming up, let's get into the Dallas Mavericks and the show talking about our team that we cover, the Dallas Mavericks, and Luka Doncic, Kristaps Porzingis, and why the Mavericks are so good right now. All right, Isaac, let's talk about what we know best, the Dallas Mavericks. 
So for people that don't listen to our show every day, you should subscribe to the Locked On Mavericks podcast. But why are the Mavericks 16-7 and seven right now? Why are they so good? A lot of people thought, you know, maybe they could be in the eighth seed and maybe the Mavericks can win 41 games and go 500 this year. Why are the Mavericks so good and Kristaps Porzingis isn't even playing that well? I mean, this is going to be the obvious answer. If you, man, unless you've been living in a cave or underneath a rock, then you know all about the rise of Luka Doncic. Congrats on finding a podcast under a rock. All those people that don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, we we joked at the beginning that it's fun. I mean, we we get to to cover arguably the most exciting player in the league right now, and Luka Doncic and. You know, we have talked literally hundreds of hours about him ever since that. I mean, even before he drafted, when we were doing draft profiles of him, and ever since, you know, he came to Dallas and had that first introductory press conference that we were at. And, you know, it, it's it's crazy the level that he has got already in the league at 20 years old. And we saw this insane rookie season last year. People tried to do the Trey Young stuff. Trey Young was in nowhere close to the level that Luca was on last year. The voting, you know, resembled that with Rookie of the Year. And then he comes in this year, and you know, we felt like we were being kind of biased with it. And we were we were throwing out, look at LeBron James's sophomore season in the NBA, and man, could Luca hit those numbers? Twenty-seven, and seven, and seven. Yeah, I'm like, man, okay, that would be a, a big step up for him. But, man, that okay, it's LeBron, but still. And he's past those numbers right now. And it's just no matter what you thought about Luka, no matter how much you thought he would work in the league, this is still exceeding everyone's expectations right now, including the Mavericks, I think. Yeah, definitely including the Mavericks. I think Cuban had you know, a, a, a quote in a Dallas Morning News article today where he said, like man, we didn't even expect this. Luca is good for he's good for merch sales. He's good for ticket sales. You know, we didn't expect it to be this good this fast. But he said it's definitely welcomed. <laughs> he said that the rebuild lasted a little too long, which I think a lot of fan bases can roll their eyes at. The Mavericks rebuild lasted essentially what three years. Yeah, it's crazy. I just talked to Harrison Barnes uh, a couple nights ago when he came into town for uh, with the Kings, and we were talking in the lobby outside uh, the locker room and stuff. And it's like, man, th- these those were long years that he was here. He was the face of the franchise for Dallas, in, in which he, you know, he what a world. He led the team in scoring, and you know, they they drafted Dennis Smith Jr. It was the tail end of Dirk's career. Who was going to carry this team moving forward? And then obviously they traded Harrison. They traded Dennis and Wes Matthews and all these players and open up this cap space. They drafted Luca and, but he was there for that. And it was, it, it felt like a long period of time at the time, but now looking back at it, you're like, all right, it wasn't that long. You know, it wasn't that long of a rebuild compared to what some of these other teams. And it's just a, it, it's crazy. It's a blessing. However you want to describe it with a franchise saying goodbye to an all time legend, a European legend in Dirk Nowitzki. And as soon as he leaves, you have the next great European star in Luka Doncic for the same franchise at 20 years old that's already in the MVP talks. It's almost unfair in a sense that you know you say goodbye to this and then you get this, but <laughs> I don't think anybody in Dallas right now is complaining, so it's a lot of fun to cover. They will take the slander and the rolled eyes. <laughs> they will take that. So the thing about Luka, though, is I'm working on a breakdown video about him right now, and I found one stat that I feel like just completely shows why Luka has gotten so much better year to year. First off, this is not the stat, but he's averaging 20 more touches a game. He's averaging like 96 touches a game, which is the most in the NBA. And his time of possession, which is like 
seconds per possession he touches the ball is second in the NBA, but his seconds per touch is like 20th in the NBA. And so Luca makes real quick decisions. Luca, he has the ball a lot, but he doesn't hold on to the ball as much. He's not like Harden where he's ISO, 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 you know, holds the ball and tries to do something himself. He can move the ball around. He makes quick you know, decisions, and that helps the Mavericks a lot with, you know, taking advantage of defenses not being set. But Luca driving into the paint. This is incredible to me when, when I pulled this up. So Luca drives. Um, he drives over over 15 times a game. I think it's 17 times a game. And Luka Doncic is shooting 65.5% on shots off of drives. Isaac, do you know how good that is? That's um pretty good. That's the best in the league among players to take at least 15 drives a game. There's 17 players in the NBA that drive at least 15 times a game. That's like your Westbrooks, your Hardens, your Trey Youngs, your even Andrew Wiggins, your Kyrie's, your Bradley Beals. Luka's number one in field goal percentage off of drives at 65.5%. Westbrook is number two, shooting 58.7%. Harden is number three at 58.2%. Then DeRozan at 56%. So there's that huge gap from 65.5% to 57.5%. That's the gap from one to two. Luka is just so good getting into the lane and driving. It's making the rest of his game work. I think I worked out the math and he's averaging... um, He's getting five more points a game just because he's shooting so much better off of drives. So he just added five points right there, just being better at drives. And then he's getting to the free throw line more. His free throw percentage has also jumped, and he's adding three more points a game via the free throw line. And so, boom, right there, that's like eight points a game that he's adding to his, you know, to last year's total. So that's how he's he's upped his game just by being better driving and getting into the lane. And part of it, you can thank Porzingis because he's helping spread the floor out a lot. Yeah, and that's the part that the driving that a lot of people might not see on a on a day to day basis. You see the Sports Center highlights, you see the House of Highlights, you see these clips on Instagram and Twitter, and it's always the step back. It's fun, it's a lot of fun, but it's these drives, it's these free throw attempts, it's the upping the free throw percentage. These were the things that we were really uh, clamping down on last year and saying these are the things he has to improve in next year for him to take the next step, for him to move into that top 10 player, which he's clearly at right now, top 5 player for a lot of people right now. He has to increase the free throws, he has to hit these benchmarks in these areas, and he's hitting every single one of them. And not only is he hitting them individually, but it's resulting in wins. And the Mavericks are third in the Western conference right now the the pieces around him are clicking tim hardaway's playing the best basketball of his career right now and they're really they're having fun as a team chemistry right now in dallas is amazing and porzingis still hasn't even gotten close to where he can be at offensively and in this system dallas as scary as they look sometimes they still have another level that they can hit as a team Absolutely. If you want to hear more about Porzingis and why maybe he's struggling, you can check out our podcast, Locked On Mavericks Podcast. Again, guys, we appreciate everyone that's listening. If you're not subscribed to this show, Locked On NBA, you can hit us up. Subscribe to Locked On NBA on, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Himalaya, the great Himalaya app. You can subscribe there. There's all kinds of things. And remember to send us your Spotify wrapped, send a screenshot or tag us, uh, Locked On Live, Locked On NBA Net. And we appreciate all of you guys sticking with us today as the regular hosts are out. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Lockdown NBA. Peace out. Boom.